Welcome to Calling a City to Life, a podcast by Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow. Each week you'll hear from us two episodes, the talk and the chat. First up is the talk, and that's the audio version of this week's sermon as preached at Queen's Park Baptist. So this is your opportunity to listen to it again or to listen to it for the first time. And later on in the week, you'll be able to tune in again and download the chat where we gather around and discuss in a bit more detail some of the issues and themes raised in this week's talk. Thank you for tuning in to the talk. We hope you enjoy it. And we look forward to you tuning in again later in the week. Enjoy. Uh, what I'd like to do now is just to welcome Des. And uh, it's just really great to have Des uh, with us. Title or no title, but you're very welcome. Uh, it's so good to have you. Yeah, about it. I'll find Des, how are you? I'm good, mate, I All good. Do you know, it's so nice to be in Glasgow. I spend most of my time now speaking to um, international people, which means I need to speak very properly and slowly. And they don't get things like as wide as the Clyde. Do, do you know, like, it just doesn't translate the same in Eindhoven. Um, so it's good to be with you. And do you know, it's really funny, like, Although I've never been here on a Sunday, I have probably spent more time in this church than any other church in Scotland. Because I used to be here for PowerPoint all the time, and you would spend like a day setting up. Um, you know, I was here for the One Life conferences, I've been here for youth things. And in fact, actually, downstairs in the basement, I had my first ever Alpha meeting, which I didn't realize was a job interview. But if you know Paul Davey, you know he works in the grey areas a little bit. So, um, so yeah, and I should probably start. I feel like um, I need to confess uh, a sin to you guys about when I used to come in here for PowerPoint. So we're just going to get it out and out of the way early. But you guys remember Janice, right? And she was very strict about using ladders um, and many other health and safety things. Um, and... Uh, Occasionally, I would uh, ask her how to make a coffee or where something else was in the building. So she would dutifully take me there and then the rest of the team would scurrily put up the ladders, do everything we weren't allowed to do, and it would be on the text message, it's safe to come back, you know, we're like, oh yeah, thanks very much, you know. Um, so just, just so you know, I feel, I feel better now that I've vindicated myself from that, uh, you know. Also, nobody died, uh, just like to point that out. Um, but yeah, so there we go. So um, yeah, my name's Des. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my story with you today. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's very bizarre because I'm actually from the northeast of Scotland. Um, anybody from the northeast will hear a chooked or twang. But if you're from Glasgow, you also know that I just sound a bit weird. Um, but it's kind of weird because when I go north now, I'm not really a Ouija, you know? But I'm not really a... A Highlander anymore, and when I come down the road, I'm not really a, so. I just say I'm from Perth. She's kind of, you know, a nine just makes it easy. Um, so yeah, it's great to be here from the kingdom of Perth. Um, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like I, as I say, I grew up in the northeast. I grew up in a tiny little village called Rothis. And if you've ever been in Speyside, you know you go through the beautiful Speyside Glen, and you come to a village that smells a bit like corned beef. That's where I'm from. Um, and uh, we've got five distilleries, 1,200 people. So you can do the maths. There's two Holy Spirits there. Um, and um, 
it's, it's an amazing place to grow up, but one of the things I always wanted to do was get away because everybody just knows your business, right? And it's, it's a bit weird, you know? And I thought the best way to do that for me would be to become a superstar DJ, mainly because I have very little talents, but I can press play really well. And I can also do this. So I thought with that, I'm set for life. And uh, I, I got into the whole DJing thing. I was really young and, you know, there was at least two or three people in Elgin who knew me. Um, so I was becoming quite famous in the Northeast, you know. And uh, I was DJing all the time. I was playing in nightclubs, I was playing in pubs. And um, I, I just got in with a group of people that made it okay to party all the time, you know. Like Nick Fletcher, he's one of those type of people. He just leads you astray, you know. Just, you know, you, you go for a coffee and the next thing you know, it's Tuesday and pina coladas are flowing. It's just bizarre. But, um, you know, you get into this, you get into this lifestyle where you're just surrounded by people who are just making it okay to, to do these things. So I'd be DJing, you know, Thursday, Friday night. That would become Saturday night and then that would become Sunday night. And then most people would stop and go back to work. But I just didn't have that switch. I would just find other people to party with. And then um, it just got it just got a bit out of hand, to be honest. And I, I got to the point where I was I was just using drugs all the time just to stay stay normal. And it wasn't like it wasn't weird in that situation, do you know? It seems a bit weird talking about it now, but but in that place it seemed totally fine. And cocaine was my my weapon of choice. That was my my kind of main thing. And I was taking it all the time and um I quite, I, I quite liked having furniture, so I had a day job as well. So I would work on, I would work at night. I was DJing or I was bouncing, um, and uh, I would work in a shop during the day. And it was this great thing. Everybody thought I was amazing because I could do anything. I was operating in nine hundred miles an hour, you know, and I could turn my hand up. I was and I was so confident and all that. But basically, it was just because I was a drug-fueled maniac, do you know. But nobody saw that aside of me. And then I did what any drug-fueled maniac should do, and that's move to Glasgow. Um, because, you know, there's never been a drug problem here, has there? Uh, so that's what happened. So, so I moved to Glasgow 20 years ago. This month, in fact, I moved down here to the big smoke. And um, I loved it, you know. But the reality was, when I got here, I was so out of control, I couldn't DJ anymore. I'd lost, like, my first love, really. Um, but I was still really good at being a bouncer which is far more believable anyway. Do you know, like, I could get punched in the face repeatedly and still look the same. Um, and, and it was the perfect job because you would search people on the way into the club and you would take their drugs off them. And then I would go into the club and I would take their drugs. It was like Woolworths. You remember Woolworths at the pick and mix? It was great to help yourself. And, um, and it just became more and more, as I got more and more involved in that, that lifestyle, more and more involved in that nightclub culture, I became more and more violent. And I've got more and more involved in it. And, and I started becoming a person I didn't like very much. And in that process, I would take more and more drugs to hide from the person I was becoming. Now, I never saw that happen. And this is something you realize with hindsight when you're looking back. But in that time, I just thought I was becoming a bigger and bigger party head. I was just getting more and more in on it and you know I was working in a shop during the day do you guys remember Animal the surf skate brand I used to be the manager of the one in Socky Hall Street 
If you ever saw a t-shirt folded in three and a half seconds, hi. Um, do you know, I, I, was just, I was just in this constant bubble of chaos. And until one night, I took a massive overdose. Now, I wasn't trying to kill myself. I wasn't trying to do anything. I'm just a bit greedy. Do you know, and that's something that God hasn't changed yet, but we're working on it, do you know. And um, I, I, took, I took about seven grams of cocaine in about 10 minutes. And for most people, that would be like at least a weekend's worth, do you know. And I had my heart jumping out of my chest, and I thought, that's probably not ideal, you know. And I had never grown up in church. In fact, my one experience of being in church was in the Church of Scotland in Rothes for a christening of a cousin or something. And I sat and put my feet on what I thought was a foot rest underneath the wooden pew. And it turns out it was a heater. And I melted my boots <laughs> to the heater, right? So see when people say that joke about, oh, if I walk into church, I'll catch fire. I actually did. <laughs> like, so that's not something, it's, it's a serious concern for people, right? And um, so my, my experience of church wasn't great. But in that moment, I didn't know what I was doing. And I cried out. To something just to ask to live I just cried out and then I woke up the next day on my living room floor and I had for the first time in years didn't have any desire to have cocaine it's really bizarre now at most points most sensible people would go God is amazing but instead I thought my word Des you are amazing and I just put it down to the fact that I was the most indestructible human that had ever seen the world. But like, I beat drugs overnight, like kapa. And then I lived my life in an even more destructive way. You know, I would drink more, I was still smoking weed, and I was just doing all these like terrible things. Like, do you know, I, I genuinely thought that I was strong enough to knock out a rhino. And we went to Blair Drummond Safari Park on a recce mission, and I saw it run into the side of a pickup truck. And I thought, no, rhinos, no. So I went for a camel instead. Um, but no, but genuinely, I, I lived in this world of just, I was mad, but I kept meeting Christians, right? And that's even weirder. Because see, when you're a Glasgow bouncer, when you meet Christians, that's a weird experience. Do you know, the vision in beige, walking down the street, you know, their crocs and socks, the smile. You know, and, you, and you, like Christians all say these weird things, do you know, like, are you bathed in the blood, you know, or you get the guy pointing sinner, like, yes, do you know, like, it's just weird, and, and what's weirder is when people you're working with, like my friend Donkey Kong, start saying, there's a Christian coming, like, other people start pointing out Christians are coming to talk to you, that's weird, now, now I'm one of these people that's got a magnet for the crazy person on the bus, you know? And I just thought this was like a new thing. I was like, oh, my, my magnet has now extended to Christians. Do you know? Like, it's fair enough. But I kept coming. I just couldn't get away from the fact. And then we were doing interviews one day in the shop and this girl came in and she was relatively normal. Um, you know, except for the fact she said she couldn't work on a Sunday. And I was like, let me guess, you're a Christian. She went, I am. Like, Surprise. Um, and, I th and do you know what? I gave her the job because I was like, she won't nick anything. Because she's a Christian, safe bet, right? Do you know? So that's cool. So we give her the job. And now I'm like, well, do you know what? Now I've got a pet Christian. 
I can find out about what's going on with these people, you know. So I started asking her all these questions, like, why do you do karaoke? You know, you sing at a wall, it's karaoke. Like, why do you do that? Like, why do you read this book? Why do you believe in this stuff? Where are dinosaurs? What about creation? What about science? I had a million questions, and I used to mercilessly torture her with questions. And she'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting, yeah, yeah. And then she would kind of answer it, and then eventually what she did, she bought me a Bible and went, maybe you should try reading that. So, very good, I have you. I just ask you questions. And then um, I asked her a really important question was, which was, would you go out with me? And uh, she said, no. And I was as shocked, silenced as you are, guys, because, you know, I've seen what I look like in a mirror, and I'm like, you know, what are you talking about here? And she said, look, you're not a Christian, I'm not interested. What nonsense do you talk, do you know? So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to read this Bible to prove her wrong. She says in the Bible, it says that we can have a relationship. I'm going to read the Bible and be like, waha. There's bound to be a line in it that says, Des should go out with me. It's bound to be, right? So I start reading. But do you know, the con is that nobody tells you the Bible's 66 books, do they? And you shouldn't maybe start on page one. But that's where you start with every other book, isn't it? Do you know, you open the book, start page one, in the beginning, good start. And you just start going, do you know? And there's a lot of reading, right? You know, you read all about creation, you read all about Noah's Ark, you read about Moses burning bush, talking donkeys, do you know? Like, okay, do you know? A lot of stuff, then there's all the rules, then there's all the laws, then there's all the numbers, then there's, you know, the story of the fat guy getting stabbed and his belly swallows the sword. I've been stabbed, that's not what happens. Like, what is this about? And I just kept reading. And what I didn't realize is I, would, I could see the meta-narrative. There's a word you never thought you'd hear me say, right? Um, but I, I could see that it was pointing to something, but I didn't know what the something was. And I kept reading and I kept reading and I came to Ecclesiastes 3 because she was quite attractive, so it was worth to carry on reading, do you know? And in Ecclesiastes 3, it says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, so a time to uproot, raised. a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Is that not some of the best words you've ever read? In that moment for me, my life kind of like lined up where I was like, of all the stuff that I've been through, street fights, knives, overdose, car accidents, being from Rothes, and I'm here now and all I want is a faster car and a bigger TV. There must be more to life than this. There has to be. My, my, the sum of my entirety on this planet needs to be more than that. So I was like, 
did I just become a Christian? And I was totally freaked out by the whole thing. So I did what I knew. I phoned my pet Christian and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I think you need to take me to church. And she went, sure, I'll take you to church. Just not my church. And then... I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't realise the massive insult that was at the time, but I have since came to learn. Um, so it's fine. But um, she... Uh, the reason was that she felt I might get a little bit judged at Kirky Baptist. Because not are they just evil at sports day, they're just evil. I'm all joking, I'm all joking. Just a wee joke, I love Kirky. But she was like, you know, when he goes somewhere where he's going to blend in. And uh, I did my best. I bought a brown hoodie and I bought some brown trainers and I bought a brown hat. And I thought, they'll never know I'm not a Christian. Uh, turns out they did. Um, but we went to a vineyard in the West End and when we got there, there was coffee and donuts, and there was people my age, and there was a band, and I was quite surprised by the band, because I said, oh, there must have been a gig last night. And they said, no, that's for the worship music. And I was like, oh, yeah, ha, 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 pick on the new guy at church. Like, Because I was expecting like a, a big organ thing. But no, it was the band. I was like, okay, I can get down with this. And then people were putting their hands up, and, and in fact, in that service, the Holy Spirit really turned up. There was a whole load of stuff somebody had cried out in uh, a tongue and somebody interpreted it somebody got totally taken out in the spirit the joint was bouncing and the, the girl was sitting there going what have i taken him to and i'm sitting there going these people are brilliant i didn't know there was a show like this is amazing like do you know um so we had different experiences of our first time at vineyard um but I got speaking to the pastor afterwards and uh, I was asking him loads of questions. I was like, I'm trying to put all this together. He's like, maybe you should try Alpha. And I was like, I am not going on one of your brainwashing courses. I have heard about you Christians. No, 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 no. And then there was a word that will stick with me forever, which was sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> Did you say Tuesday? I will be there. So I rocked up for my sticky toffee pudding and... Uh, when I got there, I met love. I met people who genuinely cared. Like, they were so welcoming. They opened the door, they sat me down, they fed me, and they couldn't have cared less about anything that I had brought in that day or what I had done the night before or any of that stuff. They were just like, come in. And I was like, oh. And I continued to read the Bible. And you know what? When the two of those things come together, the Bible and that love at Alpha is reality. That's what Jesus did. He just did hospitality, didn't he? He did a few more things, but he nailed hospitality. And actually, when we walk into that space, Alpha, is that not what you feel? Have any of you guys ever been a guest on Alpha, host, helper? Yeah? What's it like when you walk in? It feels like being at home, right? It's great. And if it doesn't, these guys need to spend more money and make it better. It's just, it's just how we do things. You come in, it's just beautiful. And then I got to ask every question I ever had. And the best thing was that nobody tried to force their opinion on me. They just listened to what I had to say. And I was, I was just incredible. These people are genuinely listening. These people genuinely care. And then the conversations flowed. And then week one built onto week two. And that built into week three. And I was starting to understand stuff. I was starting to make sense of it all. Um... And then we came to the Holy Spirit weekend and we went away for the day for the Holy Spirit weekend. And um, the, as I sat there, 
they put one of the guys put his hand on my shoulder and said, "Love to pray for you, just to f- to meet the Holy Spirit." I was like, "Cool, yeah, why not?" So he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, "Lord, I want you to make yourself known to Des in a way that only He would know." That was it. It's a pretty good prayer. Yeah, sitting there, and then the see the thing is, I have a few tattoos. Um, it's hard to tell, I know. Um, but um, I've got Michelangelo's picture of creation tattooed on my back, right? Now, it's not finished because it was going to have a set of turntables underneath God's finger for God as a DJ, which is a really famous faithless song that I love, right? But I never got it finished and I don't really know why. But anyway, on this day, when that prayer was said, I felt a finger outline God on my back. Now, I have never told any of those Christians that because they would be offended. Because Christians are bound to get a bit upset about you having God across your back like this, right? It's bound to be. So I had never told them, so nobody knew. The only people that knew was me and God. And he met me in that space. Now, how can I ever think anything else apart from the fact that he's real? He saved me that night in my flat. Then he kept flooding my life with all these weird Christian people. Then he gave me sticky coffee pudding. <laughs> I went on this course where I could ask every question I ever wanted to ask. And then I actually met the physical touch of him in this place. You can't go back from that. So uh, I never. I gave up my work as a bouncer and uh, started volunteering for the church. They made me a youth worker. <laughs> Great. They put me down to White Inch in a, a drop-in centre for young people that were trying to stab each other. And I was like, I am going to last about 10 minutes here and I am up the road. And I'll tell you what happened. A wee guy came in. They put me in a tuck shop, which was a bad idea anyway. Profits were going to go down, right? But they put me in the tuck shop and this wee guy came up and said, how much a Mars bar? And I said, oh, it's like 50 pence when things were 50 pence. And then um, he said, sure. And I watched him go across the street and start attacking somebody at a bus stop to try and get the money to pay for his Mars bar. And I would love to say God shone a light upon me of righteous indignation. But what actually happened was old bouncer days when I am going to batter that wee guy. And I went running across the street to tell him how he should behave, right? And when I got there, I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and I picked him up. I was like, do you not realize that God's got an incredible plan for your life? And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and this wee guy, I have never seen somebody so afraid in their entire life because now he's been held by a 20-odd stone bouncer off the ground who's now turned into a schizophrenic maniac in front of him who's arguing with himself, telling him all these God things, but then saying to me, I, I don't understand what's going on because... I didn't, I was just telling him how loved he was. And I'm like, but I don't love him like that. And it was just this horrible moment of, I didn't know what was going on. And then I realized that God had broke my heart for these people. And I could never, ever do anything else. And for the last 15 years, I haven't done anything else. I've chased after helping young people find Jesus. And those young people have got a bit older. And those young people have started becoming leaders. And I've seen them flourish and go on to do their things. And I just kept chasing after teenagers. Do you know, at the end of this year, 1.2 billion people around the world will be teenagers. 
25% of the global population will be under 25. It's the first time in history that the young people outweigh the old. If we don't reposition ourselves to chase after this, the church is going to be empty. They are hungry for something that offers them a space to co-collaborate with integrity. They are hungry to have a space to hear their voices heard, but to also hear everyone else's voices and opinions. Does that not just sound a little bit like Alpha? When we think about what we could do to change the world, what would it look like for us just to invite somebody to come along and be a part of the journey? And like, we all know these people, right? We all know the people that we've spoke to and asked questions. You know, they're like, why do you go to church? Or they're maybe going through some stuff right now and you know that they need God in their lives. You know, that's what happened to me. The girl, who's now my wife, by the way, and uh, she actually prayed for me for a year and a half every day that I didn't know about. She could see that what I needed, but I couldn't. And she interceded for me. And then when we went to Alpha, she came and sat beside me and she went on this journey with me. She was Barnabas to my soul. And that's where we need to be. We are here with this beautiful building, with all this knowledge. We know all the stuff, right? We know what it means. Remember that first time that you became a Christian? That moment when it sticks with you? It might have been in this very room. We carry that in our DNA. And if we don't pass that torch on, it's going to go out. We have a responsibility because that's what's happened to get us here today. It doesn't take very long for us to go back 60, 70 generations and get back to Jesus, right? Someone told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone who invited you. We can all do that. Dead easy. The illusion is that it's hard. It's hard in the Middle East. It turns out you're not allowed to ask soldiers from Dubai if they'd like to come to church on Sunday. Awkward. You're not allowed to do that. In Norway, it's really, really awkward to have a conversation about God with anyone because they just don't care. In Denmark, less than 1% of the population have any Christian leaning. Terrifying, right? And we're like, oh, it's so hard in Scotland. At least we've still got churches on the street. At least we've got a chance to turn things around. So this isn't supposed to be a kick-in. This isn't supposed to be me giving you a hard time. This is me supposed to be encouraging you to say, we can do this together. Let's do it while we've still got life, right? Because otherwise we're going to struggle. Because as the age gap a church goes like this, the generation gap goes like this, and we want to bring the two back together, not further apart. So I'd really encourage you today. And do you know what? In fact, as I've been praying and preparing for today, I really feel that um, the Holy Spirit's put one thing on my heart that I would really love to share with you all. 
I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, but I'm going to tell you what it is first, just so you can have a think about it. But I don't know about you, but I, in the past, have felt shame and guilt for not inviting people to stuff. Like, I've carried that on myself about, I should have said that to that person, or I should have invited that person. I don't, and I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I've certainly felt that way. And today, I would love to pray to break that off because I don't think that's a thing from God. I think that's a thing from the enemy which is holding us back. And I think if we pray and commit to moving forward in this, that we will see real change. We'll see people coming in their droves to know Jesus in a way that we've not seen for a long time. Wouldn't that be exciting? That's what I signed up for. I signed up to see the world saved. And I know that all of you did as well. And if you didn't, check the rules, because you did. Um, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and we'll just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Is that okay? Awesome. Oh, yeah. Lord, we just, uh, we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah more of you, Lord, more of you. As we, um, as we sit in this place and just receive, and if that's what you need to do today, please do just sit and receive because the Holy Spirit's here and he wants to meet you today. But if what I said before is for you, if you felt that shame, that guilt, that anxiety about not inviting people or slipping up and feeling bad about it, can I just ask you to stand up just now? And I'd love to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we, um, we don't want to feel the guilt and the shame. We want to be a people of invitation. We want to be a people who see your name proclaimed. So we just ask right now that you just break off those feelings of anxiety, negativity, whatever it is, those things that are holding us back. And we just ask that you break that off of us right now, Lord. Set us free to be a people who can go anywhere and invite others to join in this, this journey of faith. And actually, this week, Lord, we ask for opportunities, opportunities to raise up for the people that have maybe slid past us and help us to hear what it is that we need to hear. Help us to have the words to speak into those people's lives, Lord. Yeah, we just declare freedom over invitation, Lord. There's no shame here. I also think just as we're um just as we're here receiving, I think there's some people who just um just want that 
reminding of what it's like to be in their first love. Just to be refreshed into that place of just we just in fact I just asked Lord that you just give us all a reminder of what it's like the first time we met you. Just release joy in this place, this sense of burning desire that we had to tell everybody, the unstoppable rush of getting to know you. And I just ask that you just release that amongst us all now. And that it renews something in us all. Thank you for listening to this week's Calling a City to Life talk. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll join us again later in the week for the chat. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.